0: I said that I was going to start recording this podcast at noon on uh, Tuesday, March the 30th, and uh, I lied. Well, maybe not lied. Um, I changed my plans. We'll go with that. It is about 11.15 a.m. on Tuesday, March the 30th, and this is the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am Rob Howe, your uh, jovial host Jovial's a good word. Um, still drinking coffee, which l- lets you know uh, kind of how my day is going. Got up today and took the dog to the groomer. Um, he has kind of mixed emotions about that. I think he enjoys being groomed. Uh, doesn't necessarily enjoy being at the groomer and uh, being with strangers or, or I guess they aren't strangers with uh, how long he's been going there, but um Coffee sip, um, but I'm sure he'll be feel better after it's over with. Um, and uh, we uh, we kind of have uh, a mixed opinions on sometimes we like to see him get shaggy. He is a lasso poo, a lasso opso poodle mix, uh, hyperallergenic for myself and my son who deal with uh, pet dander allergies, uh, allergies overall. Um, Asthma, uh, things like that, um, which uh, put me in line to get my first vaccination uh, earlier this month. I get my second dose on Thursday, so we'll be fully vaccinated. Uh, I think it's two weeks after that where uh, supposedly uh, studies have shown that uh, I will be fully vaccinated. So, uh, looking forward to that. My son with the asthma was getting his first dose today, so. Moving along here as a society and uh, getting back to normal. Um, and in that uh, light, we learned um, yesterday on Monday, uh, March the 29th, uh, in, during Kirk Ferentz, Iowa football coach Kirk Ferentz's press availability, that uh, there's a, there is a chance and they are looking at the possibility of having two events this spring. Uh, practice starts today, uh, March the 30th, and runs through. I think the last practice is either April 30th or May, f- excuse me, May 1st. Uh, and that's usually when, or in, in years past before the pandemic, that was the the practice where they would allow fans in to watch that last scrimmage practice, uh, whatever, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. Um, But it looks like, or at least they're looking into the possibility of having something midway through the spring, maybe the middle of April, uh, allowing fans over to Kinnick Stadium for a bonus scrimmage, which would be a nice uh, reward for everybody who uh, went without Iowa football in person in 2020. Um, No spring game last year, so uh, haven't had just general public fans at an Iowa football game since the Holiday Bowl and nothing in Kinnick since whenever the last game of 2019 was, it escapes me right now, but uh, it's been a while. It's safe to say it's been a while. So good news there, depth chart has been released. Uh, That is a guide written in pencil. So uh, I know we have a couple questions on the quarterback situation. Uh, for today and we'll get to some of that but uh yeah it's um it's that time of year again basketball is over wrestling's over uh moving into the spring baseball played well last weekend uh got things uh they were struggling for a while um and uh, kind of righted the ship last weekend against Michigan State and Maryland so hopefully Rick Heller's crew has it going again and track and softball and everything else is rolling along in the spring and fans are allowed Uh, if you go to hawkeyesports.com you can actually buy tickets to these uh, spring sports and um, go watch these kids and cheer on the Hawkeyes and it's nice it's a it's a sign that we're getting back into normal uh, or at least what the new normal is going to be which is hopefully a lot closer to the old normal than we've had the last year so uh yeah we're in good we're in good shape here and, and Gary Barta was also on yesterday's uh media availability iowa athletic D- director gary barta and he mentioned that uh he do he does believe there will be fans in kinnick stadium this fall for home football games. And uh, it's just a matter of figuring out how, you know, what the capacity is going to be. He said he would love to have, you know, the 70,000 in there. Uh, That's capacity, 70,000-ish capacity, but he's not ready to – and it's it's kind of fluid. We'll kind of see where we are when we get to August and September in terms of vaccinations and where we are with the virus. Uh, but hopefully uh, we get as many people in Kinnick Stadium as possible. I'm looking forward to getting back over there and shooting photos from the sidelines. Uh, can't wait to do that again in the fall. Uh, one of my favorite activities. So uh, looking forward to that. But um, we'll have more information on this podcast uh, and the Hawk Fanatic podcast from KCJJ and then also the podcast that uh, I do on Thursdays with Scott Doctorman, the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. So check all the podcasts on the Hawk Fanatic feed, a lot of Hawkeye talk uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, Let's jump into the mailbag for today. First question is from Jeff Willems. um, And uh, Jeff has is a semi-frequent contributor to the Mailbag podcast, and I appreciate uh, Jeff checking in. Jeff, very disappointed with the end of the basketball season, very frustrated with uh, where the basketball season is as, as or and how the basketball season ended, uh, as I'm sure uh, many of you are. Um, no, no people were more frustrated and disappointed than the members of the team and the coaches. But uh, angry fans don't want to hear that angle, so I won't go down that road. But I will read Jeff's question and answer it to the best of my ability as I will with everybody else inquiries, um, in, in this podcast. And Jeff asks, I'm excited to see what Ty with Tracy junior and Reganey at Tyrone Tracy and Nico Reganey do this year, but more so Tracy, I feel they have the potential to be an elite duo at the college level. Given Petrus's accuracy, speed can pro given that Petrus's actu accurate, excuse me not enough coffee. Accuracy and speed control improves. Thoughts? I, I really like both of those guys um, and what they've done. I mean, Reganey led the team in receptions a few years ago, so he obviously has proven. Uh, Tracy has shown when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, he is a, a play waiting to happen, a big play waiting to happen. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I think that uh, both of those gentlemen could be in for Even bigger things um, in 2021, and it's going to depend again, as you said, on Spencer Petras improving. And uh, I certainly think that that's possible and uh, probably probable. Um, We uh, think sometimes we don't acknowledge or recognize that uh, that you know players improve in college and can get you know significantly better year over year. And, and sometimes the light goes on and you just take that next step. Um, I really think this could be a really big year for Tyrone Tracy, because I think we know what we have in Nico Regini. He's that slot possession guy that we've seen through the years from, you know, Matt Vandenberg and Nick Easley and Cavante Morton Manley. And you can go back through the years of that slot position. Um, and he's very productive. He's got sure hands. Um, I I don't know if I paint him into just being a slot, you know, slow over the middle. He's, he's not that. I think he's got some athleticism there and I think he's got improvement ahead of him to be a little bit more to diversify his contributions to this team and be a, uh, uh, a more well-rounded receiver. Um, And then Tyrone Tracy uh, Jr. I think, just the world of him and i think that he's the type of guy especially with amir smith marset moving on that you want to get the ball in his hands as many ways as possible whether that's jet sweeps um moving him around in motion uh trying to get him you know one-on-one on on the outside i think you can move him inside there are a lot of possibilities for him and, and i look forward Uh, We saw on this first depth chart that Max Cooper and Charlie Jones are shown as the backups to Tyrone Tracy and Nico Reganey, and I think they probably go into spring with a leg up just based on experience. But I'm really interested to see what emerges from that young group of wide receivers that they've recruited over the last couple of years, uh, starting with Desmond Hudson, who I believe was in the 2019 class Deontay Vines and Kovon Matthews, who were in the 2020 class, and then Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson, who are early enrollees in the 21 class, who just enrolled in January. And all of those guys are going to be competing for reps at the wide receiver position. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see if any of those guys emerge, or it is Tyron Tracy Jr., Nico Regani, Max Cooper, and Charlie Jones as your top four. Um, We'll see. We'll see if some of those guys Uh, you know, in that younger pool of players, inexperienced pool of players can emerge. Uh, Desmond Hudson intrigues me. He's of the Brandon Smith body type, bigger receiver. Um, I I would imagine uh, blocking has been a big part of his development, getting better at that and having a big receiver on the outside that can do that. Um, I think he fits that mold, mold pretty well uh vines and matthews were both very productive in high school as were bruce and keegan johnson kirk ferns talked a little bit about looking at bruce uh Potentially with the lack of depth at running back, maybe giving him a look back there as well. But they really want to focus on receiver with him first, and they don't want to put too much on his plate. So he may get some looks here or there at running back, but I think uh, I think most of his reps this spring are going to come at receiver. And uh, Keion Johnson is uh, one of my favorite. Uh, recruits in the 2021 class, uh, a guy who I think has a pretty high ceiling and his best football is ahead of him as good as he was in high school. Uh, I think he has a chance to be outstanding on the college level. And he's kind of a sleeper guy for me in terms of emerging from this pack as a possibility uh, to see early playing time. But it's hard to know. And, and I'll be, I'll be it'll be good to get out there. Hopefully we get, have the two opportunities to see these guys work in person uh, this next month uh, and get a better feel for some of these guys. Cause really, you know, we've seen a little bit of Max Cooper and Charlie Jones at receiver, but Tracy jr. And Reganey are the only guys we have really seen with significant game reps. So a lot of there's a, there's, there are uh, opportunities there for this group of receivers, this group of receivers behind Tracy jr. and Reganey to kind of step up and, and you know, Um, emerge from the pack. And I'm interested to see uh, which of those guys might be able to do that. So thanks for the question, Jeff. Hopefully hopefully that answered your question. Uh, And and I am with you. I think uh, I think Tracy Jr. is a breakout candidate and a guy who I think has the ability to be all Big Ten. Uh, He has that type of ability. Pat Hardy, uh, the owner of Hawk fanatic and the guy who pays me to do this podcast, which I appreciate that. Um, it's nice to have somewhere to be able to talk about Hawkeye sports on a podcast. And, uh, I, and was doing the mailbag ba- at my, uh, a site that I still work for, but, uh, Pat liked it and we, we do it here now and, and I'm ha- happy and thankful for, uh, For this platform, and I will jump into Pat's question. He has a couple questions. This is the first one that he asked last night. Do you think Iowa Hoops will add more players or lose more players in the transfer portal this offseason? In the transfer portal, I'm going to say Iowa adds more players. I think Iowa will add two players via the transfer portal, and I'm not sure they lose any, but I don't think they lose more than one. if they lose any, Uh, and I've talked about this before on this podcast and the podcast with Scott Dockterman, the hotspot podcast, uh, if you're looking for, and this is just based on, you know, a little bit, some conversations I've had, but also uh, just, you know, logistically looking at a roster and its makeup. I think Joe Toussaint has to wonder what Fran's plans are for him moving forward. Uh, with Tyler Eulis also in the mix for Jordan Bohannon's vacated point guard spot. What is the vision there for that? And does that vision work for Joe Toussaint? So we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Um, I would love to see him stay and play two, at least two more years and develop. I think the kid has really, really good potential um, and has gotten better. Uh, Over the last two years, it may not be obvious to some folks, but I do think he's improved. He still is inconsistent, but that's part of being in a developmental program that hopefully by these times these guys are upperclassmen, they can become more more consistent and then therefore become more productive. And we've seen it through the years with guys in Fran McCaffrey's system, and I think Joe Toussaint could be that guy. I think, and we've ta- and I talked about this on this podcast in the Hotspot podcast, the, uh, the Kentucky radio station slash blog, uh, Jones, I believe is the, the gentleman's last name. I apologize for not knowing his first name. I think it's Matt, but uh, forgive me if I, I have that wrong, but he kind of threw out the balloon, uh, floated the balloon that uh, CJ Frederick might be looking around. And when you do that, Um, He's connected with the Kentucky program, the state where C.J. Frederick played high school basketball. Um, That balloon was floated out there, and then that creates conversation. I don't think a balloon like that would be floated out there unless somebody from Kentucky or in the know um, said, hey, I wonder if this kid's available. Um, What guys might you look at? And uh, a lot of this stuff goes on behind closed doors, just kind of a feeling out. And, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm not interested. And C.J. Frederick loves Fran McCaffrey. Um, He was willing to walk on here overtaking scholarships from other schools just to play for Fran, who has a long relationship with the family, uh, was an assistant coach at Notre Dame when C.J.'s uncle, Joe Frederick, played there. Um, There are a lot of ties there. So you never say never in a situation like this. And I think players have to do what's best for them and look what opportunities are out there. Um, but it, it would surprise me a little if C.J. Frederick moved on. Not that, he, not that there's not, they're not looking, you know, people that are around C.J. or whatever are hearing from other teams loosely, you know, through the network, as I said, behind closed doors. These conversations happen. Um, it's naive to think that they don't. Um, but um, you know, I like I said I I could see one of those two going. I think Toussaint would probably be the most likely of the two. Then I'd put Frederick, and then I'm not sure after that. I mean, it, it, I, it's hard to say. Uh, the The rest of the roster is really young, um, except for guys like Jack Nunji, you know, Connor. Patrick, they're not going anywhere, most likely. I guess Nunji could go somewhere, but I don't know why he would at this point. Um, he's going to probably be the start, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the starting center next year. Um, you know, and uh, the Mur- the Murrays aren't going anywhere. Maybe if Tucson, maybe Ulysses doesn't like what he hears in terms of what the plan is for him in Tucson and he moves on, I don't see that. Um, he basically had a free year, And I think he's going to stay and stick it out. I mean, he's got a lot of time left to win this point guard position. Uh, Perkins got a lot of run this year uh, for a guy on a veteran team. So I think there's a vision there for him, but maybe he doesn't see path to playing time behind CJ Frederick. So if you you could nitpick and go through a roster and say, you know, this guy could leave because of this, but you know, until you hear some concrete, information or or somebody comes out and says hey this guy's looking to go um i think it's all you know rumor and speculation at this point so i think there's a greater i do think joe wieskamp leaves and that is three open scholarships for the 21 class if you're just looking at it overarching pate sanfort from waukee fills one of those he's already signed in the 21 class bohannon and wieskamp would be two open scholarships and i do think that those will be filled through the transfer portal um it could be um via high school as well but I, I think it's more likely that fran will look for veterans um probably shooter and big man are the two biggest needs and with bohannon Wieskamp, camp and garza leaving it makes the sense that those would be the the two areas of need for this team. So, and I'm not knowing what, you know, you, you, I, Jack Nudge's on a path to return from the knee injury, but it, we'll have to see kind of how his recovery goes. And Fran's going to have to judge what else he needs. In addition to that, judging what he thinks he can get from Josh Agundale in year two. So Fran's got to uh, evaluate his roster. Um, but I do think adding two guys to the, the transfer portal, um, there's a, there's a very good chance of that happening. Uh, let's see here. Tyler Devine from Hawk Fanatic, another uh, member of the team. Uh, check out his Divine Line podcast. Um, I, the, I think this is a joke. Uh, is Deuce Hogan the future of Iowa football, and why am I right? Uh, yeah, as we talked about earlier, a lot of uh, – I don't know. Hand-wringing is the right word, right term, but uh, – I think people were surprised that Deuce Hogan was not on the depth chart that was released yesterday. Spencer Petras is listed as the starter uh, after starting all eight games last fall. And Kirk has twice now this offseason uh, given Spencer a vote of confidence as his starting quarterback. That's not to say that he can the job cannot be taken from him. Uh, with a performance by either Alex Padilla, who is listed as the backup quarterback and was the backup quarterback all last season, and Deuce Hogan, who is not on the depth chart. It's not to say one of those guys can't overtake Spencer Petras this spring or in the summer. Uh, injuries happen, ineffectiveness. Uh, in the, Indiana and Iowa State are the two first two games on the schedule next year. Uh, both will have tough defenses, most likely, um, and challenge Iowa in that regard. Uh, with a with a uh, with some inexperience on the offensive line and, and also inexperienced wide receiver we'll kind of see how things go in those first two games but I'm kind of looking at it as Spencer Petras will be the starting quarterback when Iowa uh, opens the season against Indiana and probably would be the starting quarterback against Iowa State the following week and then I don't know if he, he really struggles in those two games, maybe you look at making a quarterback change, but I don't see th- see anything happening until then unless either Padilla or Hogan just lights it up this spring and summer, and Petrus is really bad, but um, it's all based on reps and what the coaches see so kind of I know that's disappointing to people that want to see Deuce Hogan and, and feel like it's time to move on for from, from Spencer Petrus, but uh, I would caution people to remember um. What last year was like with no spring football, very, very little uh, August time to practice, very short preseason before a shortened regular season during a pandemic. A lot of things were going on that didn't allow development at not only the quarterback position, but most positions. And you have to remember, Deuce Hogan didn't get here until June. He was not an early enrollee, so he got here in June. They immediately went into testing, daily testing, and then, or no, I guess they didn't do daily testing right away. That happened in the fall when they were able to, when they decided to reverse course and play the season. But he really hasn't had much time in development on campus. So I, I, I caution people this, that say, I think, well, why hasn't he emerged yet? He really hasn't had a lot of time or opportunity. So probably good to be patient with these guys. I think this is just in an, enormous and this is a kind of a no shit statement but just an enormous spring for the quarterback position in all positions on Iowa, not having spring football last year, very limited development time for a program that relies heavily on development. This is a huge spring and summer, uh, and even the last few months of uh, strength and conditioning and working out and getting back into a normal schedule or somewhat normal schedule uh, has been really important. So looking forward to see how the rest of the spring goes uh, and then in, into the summer workouts and then into the fall uh, or August camp, I should say. So. Let's see what happens at the quarterback position. Uh, And we'll see, Tyler, if uh, Deuce Hogan is the future of Iowa football and if you're right. (laughs) Uh, Jake Markham at Jake Markham 1337 asks, this Final Four is going to have two teams not from a Power Five in it, which is great for college basketball. But as Iowa fans, it's getting – old not making it to the sweet 16 they have the resources to allure top talent um in your opinion how do they get to the next level (laughs) that uh that is a million dollar question how does Iowa get to the sweet 16 we've been trying now for what 99 was the last year so we're now 22 years in um Uh, When Kirk Ferentz arrived here, that's how long it's been since I was made the Sweet 16 through Steve Alford, Todd Todd Lickleiter, and now 11 years of Fran McCaffrey thought this team had uh, the best chance. Uh, I also thought that the team had a really good chance was not meant to be. I think what you see in this tournament is you get a couple upsets here or there. I think it was Houston. I saw has not beaten a single digit seed. To get to the final four it beat uh, Oregon State last night, which was a twelve seed uh, in the sweet sixteen it beat Syracuse, which was an eleven seed um, and then the two first its first two games i can't recall who it played, but they were also double digit seeds so there is a luck factor that comes into it as well, but I think if you're just looking at it you know from if you're watching this tournament it's it's very much come down to guard play and having athleticism in your backcourt guys that can, are, are two way guards, guys that can dribble, penetrate and shoot the three, and then also defend that on the other end. And that's what where college basketball is now as great as Luca Garza was, and he was great. Um, you don't see a lot of players like him in the final four right now because the game has changed. Um, you know, you look at a Baylor. Baylor really doesn't have a big guy. Um, they have some guys that can play in the post, but for the most fun, very perimeter-oriented team, same with Houston. Um, I think if you look at the games tonight, Michigan has Hunter Dickinson, uh, who is a post player, uh, but very perimeter-oriented with guys that can defend on the outside and the perimeter and also dribble, drive, and shoot the three. Uh, They'll play a USC team that also is perimeter-oriented and has very athletic big men, uh, you know, in the Mosley brothers. Um, And then who's on the other side? Gonzaga, which is kind of a, you know, if you're looking, Gonzaga is kind of like Villanova in that, you're not looking at a ton of highly regarded kids coming out of high school, but guys that were developed and were probably undervalued that minus a Jalen Suggs, who was a, you know, a top 10 recruit. Um, and he obviously is a huge difference for that team. They're, it's not where it is right now without him. Um, and then who is the other team? Gonzaga plays. Uh, I can't remember. I can get my bracket here. Oh, Gonzaga plays USC. That's my bad. Um, Michigan plays uh, UCLA. Again, Teams very good on the perimeter, athletic, uh, long. That's what you need. And I think if you look at the Iowa roster, I think it's starting to move that way, kind of morph into what's going on now. I think Fran has recognized that. he had Jordan Bohannon back this year, which was good, but that wasn't a given. I mean, it was his fifth year. Um, there was a chance that Garza could have left early last year, that Wieskamp could have left early. Um, I think Wieskamp fits into what is being, what's been successful in this NCAA tournament and what the current trend is uh, in college basketball. But if you look at Tony Perkins and Uless and Toussaint, Patrick McCaffrey, uh, Keegan Murray, Jack Nunchie, those guys are all long athletic guys that I think gives Iowa ch- better chance to match up with what teams they'll come across moving mo- moving forward um, or, or at least what the trend is now in college basketball. And that's not to say, you know, hold a celebration because Luka Garza's moving on. Iowa won a certain way a lot of games with him running the offense through him. But I think you're going to see a lot different team next year when it comes to Iowa basketball. It's not going to be a a team that runs everything through Luca Garza on the low post or looks to, you know, if he's being doubled to kick it out for threes, I think you're going to get a lot more offense off of dribble drive with guys like Frederick and Perkins and Toussaint and Ulis and Keegan Murray and Patrick McCaffrey and Connor McCaffrey. I think you're going to get a lot more off of uh, movement and dribble penetration and maybe off of pressing. Uh, pressing and, and pressure defense is a big part of what teams are doing now. Uh, and I think Iowa will have uh, the ability to extend its defense next year with a lot of length. So those will really be, in my opinion, how you get at least build a, a team that can get to that next level. but there's a lot of other layers and nuance and, and things that factor into that injuries uh, development, all those other things. But I think I was starting to move in that direction and, and I'm interested to see kind of how it plays out going and looking more like what your opponents look like. So see how that goes. Uh, Joe Williams, thank you for the question, Jake, please, uh, please. Be part of the podcast again. It was good to hear from you. Uh, Joe Williams at Iowa Fan Williams on Twitter asks, rank the following from the most to least likely to happen. Ferentz retires after next season. Keegan Johnson starts a game this fall. Iowa wins the West and someone other than Petrus gets significant snaps at quarterback. Um, okay. So, the Kirk Ferentz part, I guess, is after this, this coming season, I take that to mean, um, the 21 season. I think you mean that. It could be the, the, the next season, which is the 22 season. Either way, I don't think he retires after this season, and I don't think he retires after next season. So I will put that um, as the least likely to happen. Um, Keegan Johnson starts a game at receiver this fall. Iowa wins the West. This is a good question, Joe. Uh, and someone other than Petrus gets significant snaps at quarterback. I'm going to go with I'm going to go from least to most, uh, even though you asked from most to least. I think the least likely to happen is Spence retiring after next season. Then I would put the second least likely would be Petrus, uh, somebody other than Petrus getting significant snaps at quarterback. Uh, then I would put Iowa wins the West. Uh, I think the most likely of these things is Keegan Johnson getting a start at fall and wide receiver. I'll go out on a limb a little bit there, but the opportunity is there. And I think, uh, I think the town is there to make that happen. Uh, I'm not seeing Iowa as a favorite to win the West. I think it will be in the mix to win the West. So I can't say that from an opportunity standpoint is more likely than Keegan Johnson. Uh, I think Petrus is, probably going to improve um and I think he's going to improve enough to stay ahead of the other two guys to take most of the significant snaps this fall Um, and then as I said I don't see Ferns retiring uh in the next couple years I think he probably runs this thing uh at least to 2025 um I don't think he has any plans to to uh hang it up but I could be off on that as well um hawks 101 at hawks thanks for the question joe i always appreciate you checking in i know you're a uh, frequent contributor to the podcast and i appreciate that hawks 101 at hawks 101 101 asks the best team in Tecmo Bowl. this sparked a lot of conversation and i appreciate that i'm not a big video game guy uh past or present uh i know Tecmo Bowl is uh is uh is very nostalgic for a lot of people. I know my friend John Miller, who I worked with for a long time at Hawkeye Nation, is big a big Tecmo Bowl player. Um, he would be a better player uh, to answer uh, this this question. Uh, and it sounds like Bo Jackson is really good at the in this game, and so is Lawrence Taylor, and that's not surprising because both were two are two of the better players I've seen in my lifetime playing the sport. Uh, and i guess the bears and the giants are are both really good in the game as well but uh did not research this question hawk 101 i appreciate you asking it but i do not have not a lot of knowledge uh regarding the uh the tech mobile video game but uh you guys enjoy playing that and uh do whatever makes you happy uh let's see here going to some more questions here um Recent question here from 18 minutes ago. Alec Ahmed Johnson at Ahmed Johnson, a frequent contributor to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag podcast, and I always appreciate his contributions. Checks in with any surprises from the depth chart from yesterday. No, not not huge surprises. Um, Trying to let me pull it up here just so I can uh, get a chance look at the offense first. Um was somewhat surprised to see Max Cooper and Charlie Jones as the backup receivers. I thought not that I'm surprised that they're on there, but I thought there may have been more uh, there may have been more guys listed, more receivers listed at those backup spots. Uh, but maybe it's hard to differentiate from that that crew, that group I talked about earlier uh, of the younger receivers that really haven't had any meaningful snaps yet in games. Um, but, uh, I, I wouldn't say surprised. I, I would say more interested in what I saw on the, the, um, on the offensive depth chart, uh, was not surprised to see Padilla, Padilla as the backup for reasons that I've talked about on this podcast. I wasn't sure what that backup offensive line would look like. That to me was one, uh, that was of interest with the departures, um, which included Alaric Jackson, Colbin, Mark Kallenberger. A lot of experience there moved on, so I wasn't sure kind of how these guys would align. Uh, but it's interesting. You look, you know, Jack Plum at left tackle makes sense to me. He's a guy that's kind of built and developed through the years, and, and now's his time. He's a junior. It's time for him to kind of emerge and, and see, you know, see if the coach's uh, development of him s- sticks and holds. Kyler Shot. Was a, has been a starter, so that one did not surprise me. A little surprised he's on the left side. He's played more on the right side at guard, uh, but not, not, a huge, uh, not a huge surprise there at all. Tyler Linderbaum at center, we, we knew that was going to happen. I was wondering what would happen with Justin Britt. Uh, he's, been, he's impressed coaches the last few years. Uh, he impressed coaches as soon as he walked on campus. And then Cody Inch, who spent most of his time playing guard the last few years, starting at guard, uh, kicks out to right tackle, um, and he's a really good athlete. So I don't see that as being a huge surprise in Iowa in the past, even with Brandon Scherf, uh, and, you know, an Outland Trophy winner, started him at guard and then kicked him out to, to tackle later in his career. And now he's an all-pro guard at the NFL level. So that's one of the uh, – the, um, Strong characteristics of Iowa offensive linemen is the versatility. And, and, um, and Iowa certainly has guys on this year's team that can be versatile. Um, you look at a, you, you look, The interesting part to me, I think, maybe the most surprising thing to me was looking at the backups on the offensive line. When you look at Mason Richmond, Tyler Ellsbury, and Josh Volk, those are three guys that were in the 2020 class have jumped some guys to get into the backup positions already at offensive line. Noah Fenske, a class ahead of those guys, is the backup center. Wasn't sure how that would shake out. And then Nick DeYoung, a former walk-on. He may still be a walk-on for all I know. Um, I have, I think he is still a walk-on, actually, uh, is the backup at uh, at right tackle behind Cody Entz, and he's a guy who impressed. He played as a true freshman walk-on on the offensive line, which – I don't have in front of me the history of that, but that has got to be a rarity. Uh, and he didn't play a lot. He played in one game, but he still – and, and kept his red shirt, but he still appeared in a game as an tack, a offensive tackle, true freshman walk-on, which, again, I, I don't think that's happened a lot in the history of the Iowa program. But that offensive ta- line to me is probably the most interesting, uh, and I wouldn't say surprised. It's just interesting to me how – some of these guys have emerged and, and hopped over maybe some of uh, the players that were in classes ahead of them. So interesting to see how that shakes out this summer. And then moving on to the defensive defensive uh, depth chart. Um, yeah, uh, Yaya Black moving from end to tackle was a little surprising to me at 6'5", 279. Really good athlete, a guy I think who can t- – a guy who I think is versatile enough to play inside and out. I think Wagner is is capable of playing inside and out. But there are just so many unknowns on that defensive line that that it really didn't surprise me. Again, just interesting how things uh, shook out there. Um, And then nothing really else on defense. It looks pretty much what I expected in terms of starters and backups. Uh, Beyond the defensive line, most of the guys are back. Everybody in the secondary is back. Dane Belton is back. Uh, Logan Klemp at the Leo um, linebacker position. I think Iowa's going to play a lot more four-two-five 5 this year, so we're going to see a lot more Dane Belton than we will Logan klemp um, And then the other players, like I said, you've got Seth Benson and Jack Campbell back at linebacker after starting there last year. You know, Nick Neiman was in, you know started a lot at linebacker as well, but all of those guys played quite a bit last year, so uh, – We'll see. We'll just kind of see what else happens on that back end. Um, and uh, so as far as surprises on the depth charts, there weren't really a ton of surprises, as I said. More interesting to see which guys kind of popped out there because I really didn't have any expectations or any preconceived notions on how some of those openings would, would look. So kind of where I'm at on that. So thank you for the question, Alec. Uh, appreciate that. Um, and then this question sparked a lot of conversation this morning. And this this came from Pat Hardy as well. Uh, ranking Iowa's best point guard since 1975. Um, and Pat says, I'll help get you started. Number one is Ronnie Lester. Um, and then a lot of discussion back and forth here on who should be after Ronnie Lester. Uh, I put my list together. And uh, I'm sure after Ronnie, there's gonna, there's quite a bit of a debate. I will go Ronnie Lester, one, Andre Woolridge, two, B.J. Armstrong, three, Jeff Horner, four, Dean Oliver, five, Jordan Bohannon, six, Kenny Arnold, seven, and Mike Gassell, eight, uh, with an honor of me- a mention to Cal Wolfsburg. Love the name, and Cal was a good player, underrated player. But anyway... Uh, I think there, there would there, be discussions over who number two is between Woolridge and Armstrong. I just prefer Woolridge. Um, I think he was more – I don't know. I, I kind of look at Woolridge, and his season, 96-97, was similar. I, I can kind of compare it to Sean Green's 2008 in football. Just a, you look at one season and what he did leading the Big Ten in scoring and assists – that's just, I mean, that kind of stands alone. It's, it's the Doak Walker award-winning uh, season in basketball. So, um, and I kind of look at this as how I would pick, um, you know, if I, if I was starting, you know, had a chance to, to start, you know, okay, um, picking a, a starting five. Ryan Lester's gone. Who, who would be the next guy I would pick? It would be Woolridge. Uh, Lester and Woolridge are gone. Who is the next guy I would pick? It would be BJ. Armstrong. I'd have a tough time between Horner and Oliver. I think both of those guys are pretty close. I give Jeff the edge. Uh, just I thought he was more consistent in his career. Uh, I think Dean's defense was underrated. Um, but I think Jeff was a decent defender too. Um, so and i, I, I know recency. There, and, and, and I have no problem with somebody who has Jordan Bohannon higher up on their list. Um, he certainly, from a statistical standpoint, uh, has that – you have that in your uh, debate. He's the all-time leader in the three-pointers and assists. Um, but I also think it, you, you factor in the other end of the court here. And defensively, you know, I think he's significantly behind the top five guys – that are on this list um, and that's Lester for me my list Lester Woolridge Armstrong Horner Oliver I think Jordan is significantly behind that group defensively if you look at it um, and I know steals is only one metric uh, Dean Oliver is second in career steals uh, BJ is sixth in career steals Horner is eighth in career career steals uh, and Mike Cassell is ninth in career career steals from a seasonal standpoint um you know dean is on that list armstrong is on that list i didn't want to say what about people who may ask about what about devin marble devin marble to me is a combo guard and i know you could probably say that about warridge in a way and maybe even some other guys on this list but i really look at devin as more of out of all these names more of that combo guard um he would be up there for me in terms of guards since 1975 I'm just sticking more from a point guard perspective um and that's why I I don't have but Devin would be in my top five if if I if somebody said hey he's a point guard you have to put him on this list he would be in my top five as a two-way guard um and that's kind of way I'm looking at this and it's not – I'm not being disrespectful to Jordan Bohannon. That's not my intention here. But for me, defense is a big part of the point guard position, on-ball defender, the ability to play defense, you know, and of that group, I just – I can't put Jordan in that group. Great offensive numbers, great accomplishment, great Hawkeye, great representative of program in the university. This is just me. If I was picking guys, if I was like – like I said, Ronnie Lester's gone, and I don't, can't pick him. I'm going with Woolridge. Lester and Woolridge are gone. I'm going to pick Armstrong. Lester, Woolridge, Armstrong are gone. I'm going to pick Horner. Lester, Woolridge, Armstrong, Horner are gone. I'm going to pick Oliver. And then if those top five are gone, then I would pick Bohannon. That's kind of how I work through it, and I know everybody has kind of their own – you know, you can say, well, what would this guy have done with this team? Would he have had better statistics – There's a lot of ways to look at this, but that is my, those are my top eight guys. um, And I'm sure people will disagree and that's okay. It was a good, uh, good topic brought ahead by Pat Hardy. And I appreciate him doing that and uh, would not be surprised if you don't see a column with Pat's picks for the top point guard since 1975. And uh, so look at, look at Hawk fanatic for that coming up uh, as we get into a little bit more downtime the next few months with the lack of live, uh, the live revenue sports being played. So Uh, EC Hawk um, at EC Hawk one. uh, I like your dog. Looks like a a collie of some kind, maybe a collie mix um, as your profile picture. Uh, Appreciate you checking in with a question. And he has a couple of questions that kind of lead me to believe that he's questioning uh Fran McCaffrey's um capabilities with this team kind of like the earlier question of um you know what's it going to take to get for uh you know an Iowa team to get back to the Sweet 16 And and I know there's a lot of frustration right now with basketball fans watching this tournament go on and how high the expectations were for this team and it being a top five team heading into the NCAA tournament but it's why they play the games and if you're watching this tournament you can look at a lot of these teams and say Iowa would have a tough time with that team matchup wise um, and that's what basketball is about it's about matchups and uh, as I said some luck goes into it well Iowa wasn't good enough Oregon was a better team on that night and then Oregon got rolled by USC so what happens when Iowa plays USC we don't know um, but it would have been a tough matchup for Iowa in that regard as well but getting back to the questions at hand from EC Hawk one, has the head coach been asked if he's ever considered hiring a defensive coordinator as John Beeline did at Michigan? I, it's a good question. And I don't know if he's ever been directly asked that. And um, my memory is not what it used to be. Um, but I think it's been discussed just in terms of, how Iowa can be better on that end of the floor, and I think some recency bias comes in here. If you go back to the 15 and 16 teams, those were good defensive teams with Woodbury in the middle and Utah. Even Aaron White was a de- – those teams were better defensively than they were offensively. Um, but this last group, this last error, defense was clearly the – the weakness of these recent teams. And that's kind of where we are at now. I think that these guys that are coming back, this, the guys on the roster that we expect to come back, I think this team's going to be a lot better defensively next year. When you look at Toussaint, Eulis, Perkins, Keegan Murray, Patrick McCaffrey, Jack Nungee, who's a better defender than Luca Garza, not as good offensively. I think defense will be a much bigger. Part of next year's team and whether or not it has success. It's going to need defense a lot more because it's not going to be as explosive offensively. I think CJ Frederick was one of the better two way players on the team this year. It will miss Wieskamp because he was an underrated defender. But I think next year's team will be better defensively. But to answer your question, I'm not sure. And I wouldn't expect Fran to hire a defensive coordinator. I think you look at his assistance right now with Spraw. And Sherm Dillard, those guys are all kind of creeping up into their mid-60s. You could see, I'm not saying this offseason, but within the next few years, some turnover on Fran's staff. And maybe at that point, he looks at got you know candidates who maybe have a, more of a defensive acumen to complement his offensive vision and can meld it together so there's a possibility that it could happen there um and then ec's second question when was the last time the athletic director was asked to define the expectation for the men's basketball program again uh, my memory's not great um i know Barta has been asked about uh what he views as successful as a basketball program and i guess when you look at this year's team it, it was the second only the second team to, to achieve a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, joining the 87 team, and those are the highest seeds ever Iowa's ever gotten in, in the NCAA tournament. So if that's how you're measuring, I think the last two or three years, what the basketball program has done, had, what, what it's accomplished has been enough for the athletic director. Gary Barta. It's it's obviously not enough for everybody in the fan base. It's enough for some in the fan base. Who knows what would have happened last year had there not been a pandemic and that basketball team been allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. Does it get to the Sweet 16? You know, there was a lot of talent on that team. You know, you've got Ryan Creener on that team, um, you know, so you're you're dealing with another guy who's playing professional basketball um, overseas and doing pretty well at it. So again, the, these questions are kind of vague, and I think they're they're directed at you being unhappy with Fran McCaffrey's performance, um, and that's certainly your right. And everybody has their right to, as fans, to view this and have whatever expectations they want on the program. But ultimately, it comes down to the athletic director whether or not he's satisfied with what the basketball coach is doing. And then if the basketball coach is happy in his position and not looking for another job. And we saw before the tournament, Fran McCaffrey was given a contract extension through 2027. So that kind of answers your question for you. Um, Define what his expectations are. I don't know if it defines what his expectations are, but his expectations have been met enough that he was willing to extend his basketball coach through the latter part of this decade. So it's kind of where it's at there. I don't have any direct answers to your questions and I don't recall specifically either of your questions being asked, but roundabout ways they've been addressed um, directly or indirectly. um, And that's kind of where we are. You know, in regards to your questions, and I do appreciate you asking those questions e c hawk and um I welcome more from you in the future and please be part of the podcast again. We always appreci- appreciate the the contributions uh let's see here. I think that is it from uh the question bank. I just want to go through here one more time to uh to see if i've missed anything and i don't think i have so i always like to mention this on the podcasts at some point either beginning during or at the end and i haven't mentioned it so far so i will mention it again um know it's kind of a a, um a tight window when i ask on monday evenings if people have any questions for the mailbag and then again Uh, On Tuesday mornings, I send out a second alert. And fortunately, um, which is a a good commentary on society, people aren't on social media 24-7. So if you're missing those um, solicitations for questions for this podcast, uh, and you're like, you know, man, I wanted to ask something, and you're just hearing this now at some point during the middle of the week, Anytime during the week in between the two recordings of this or the recording of this week's mailbag podcast and the recording of next Tuesday's mailbag podcast if a question or a comment, or you want a discussion, something to be discussed on this podcast, hashtag HF mail. Anytime I hit that hashtag and I go back through and I look to see if there are any questions um, from the week and so and, and i look and see where i left off the previous week so if i miss anybody's questions um i go back and start with those and there weren't any this past week but the previous two weeks i think i did have midweek questions so please uh if you uh want to get in and be part of the podcast which we always appreciate hop in whenever you want or whenever you remember and uh, we'll hit up your questions or comments the next time We record, but I think we've uh, exhausted all of your questions and comments for this week. Uh, Appreciate everybody being a part of the podcast, both in submitting questions and comments and listening to the podcast. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.